0: Hello, and
1: welcome to the Ducker Frontier podcast series. We're the leading information and advisory services partner for emerging market executives. We partner with business leaders at over 400 multinationals by providing them with advisory support, information assets, and consulting services that help inform and power their growth strategies across their most important markets. The focus of today's discussion is Ducker Frontier's recent report on channel design in ASEAN, the latest in our Southeast Asia research offering. My name is Richard Leggett and I'm the CEO of Ducker Frontier and joining me today from Ducker Frontier's Singapore office is Ashu Agarwal, Ducker Frontier's analyst for Southeast Asia. As a reminder, this podcast and all our ASEAN research and insights are available to our clients via our Frontier View platform. Ashu, thanks for joining me and welcome.
0: Thanks Rich. It's good to be here.
1: It's actually good for me to be here with you in Singapore. It's a rare opportunity to sit down in person and have a, a discussion like this. so I'm very excited about it.
0: Yeah, it's always it's always exciting to have you in town.
1: Now, before we dig into uh, the topic at hand, I I wanted to maybe just talk a little bit about Southeast Asia as a a series of markets, Um, and it's a market where we've seen our clients talk about it uh, as lots of opportunity, Uh, especially today in a a world where we have a China uh, slowdown occurring that's very real. Uh, our APAC executives are taking a hard look at Southeast Asia. And I guess I wanted to ask you if you could help me frame uh, where, uh, how executives that you're talking to on a regular basis are thinking about Southeast Asia as part of their APAC portfolio, and then also more broadly, where it fits within the global portfolio. Sure,
0: of course. So ASEAN is a, in playing an increasingly larger role in uh, companies' APAC and global portfolios. Uh, what's really happening is there's a slowdown in China. There's also emerging risks in many other parts of the world. And so uh, people are, or companies are looking at ASEAN as an alternative destination to increase uh, investment in. Uh, if you just look at 2018, uh, Southeast Asia was actually one of the very few regions globally that saw an increase in foreign direct investment. And that is in a year where FDI overall globally fell by 19%. So that's a very clear indication of significant interest uh, in the Southeast Asian region.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I just talked to a client um, right before we got on this podcast, and they're actually um, moving some of their sourcing and some of their production out of China. And uh, one of the big destinations is Southeast Asia. So I think we're seeing a lot more of that.
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely.
1: Okay. Well, so now let's dig into the topic of channel design. So obviously, with more foreign direct investment, the market becomes quite attractive. And uh, at the same time, uh, it's a challenging market. Our clients have uh, faced challenges for several reasons. Uh, and each country in the region has its own distinct characteristics. Executives um, have uh, uh, struggled to find a good depth of talent. Uh, and you have a very um, price-sensitive customer base. These are some of the challenges. Can you talk a little bit about um, what, a little more detail about those challenges?
0: Absolutely. So uh, what's really happening is, is that these are just structural challenges that have been in place in Southeast Asia uh, for a number of years now. Uh, Of course, a lot of them are not even uh, very easily changeable. For example, like you mentioned, uh, the fact that the ASEAN countries have very distinct characteristics, right? They all speak different languages. They have different economic sizes, economic growth levels, different cultures. And so it really makes it hard for a company uh, to implement any one-size-fits-all strategy across the region. Uh, talent continues to be an issue as governments uh, underinvest into education, and uh, what, what uh, people have really thought in school and universities uh, doesn't really align well with what companies are looking for uh, on the ground. Uh, apart from that, there are other structural challenges such as the fact that ASEAN is, uh, has a very maritime geography, and so it means that a lot of markets, a lot of very important markets can become uh, very hard to access. Now, apart from that, there are also some uh, short-term risks taking place right now. Uh, These include things like the upcoming elections in countries such as Indonesia, Thailand, the Philippines, uh, and also potentially Singapore, which uh, put a risk on uh, policy continuity uh, in the region. And of course, apart from that, there's also the very uh, popular, interesting topic right now, which is the U.S.-China trade tensions and the potential or the already ongoing uh, short-term knockoff effects uh, of those escalating tensions.
1: Because of uh, the the exposure to China and the sensitivity that uh, these markets each have to uh, China and, and Chinese demand, basically.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: Okay, so despite that, it's still a good place to be, and, and we should focus on uh, how do you get it right, which is around channel, channel design as one, one element of that. So why don't, we, why don't we dive into that in a little more de- detail? Um, because of some of those challenges, uh, companies need to optimize their strategies. What, what are some of the key um, uh, strategies or best practices that you're seeing uh, for, uh, for companies that, that they should take?
0: Uh, Well, One of the key things that companies really need to do uh, to really optimize their strategies in the region is to uh, focus on their go-to-market strategy, their go-to-market positioning. Uh, And that is really important because it's one of the relatively easier things to do. It is what uh, would give companies a higher ROI uh, more immediately and relatively uh, fast so that is what we see a lot of successful companies do. We see a lot of successful companies uh, look at this in a structured way uh, so as to then optimize uh, the channel strategies in the region.
1: So in in your study, you talk about a four-step framework. Let, let's talk about kind of how, how do they do that? What have you seen the best companies doing in terms of designing the optimal go-to-market strategy? What does that framework and process look like?
0: Mm-hmm. So, well, for the first step uh, to really uh, you know, figuring out what the ideal channel strategy in your market should be, is to first assess uh, the channel landscape in ASEAN. And that can be done by looking at some of the key factors uh, that are important to evaluate uh, when you're thinking about this topic. So what we did as a result, because we uh, realized that this is something that a lot of our clients struggle with, that a lot of our clients are concerned about, uh, we spoke to a number of different executives across multiple different industries to identify what are some of the factors that are most important to evaluate when you're thinking about your channel strategy in Southeast Asia. And uh, as a result of this conversation, we were able to identify uh, a number of factors that kept coming up uh, in multiple different conversations. And we, we were able to split these factors into two different categories. Uh, These are the internal factors and the external factors. Uh, The internal factors look at things uh, which are more internal to an uh, organization, to a company, and uh, include factors such as uh, growth horizon, um, looking at things such as product characteristics. Uh, Do they look at talent as well on that? Uh, the talent actually comes in uh, as one of the external, external factors, factors. Okay. something that is already uh, present in the market itself, Got it. right? It's a characteristic of the market. And uh, that's when we have the external factors such as market size and growth, uh, the operating environment, and uh, talent, which is a part of uh, that operating environment and business fit.
1: Okay. Maybe take us a deeper dive, pick, pick one factor, either internal or external, that you thought was of specific interest and, and do a deeper dive to give us a sense of that.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to pick one of the, uh, I guess I'll pick business relations as one of the factors. Um, and the reason I'm picking this factor is because this was actually one of the most commonly mentioned uh, factor during our conversation with our uh, executives. So what happens in Southeast Asia is that a lot of business decisions are made based on informal relations, existing informal relations, rather than based on merit. And so what happens is that if a multinational uh, company invest uh, a lot of resources to establish a local presence in a country, uh, it might end up being really unprofitable if uh, they're not able to make any sales because they do not have the existing informal relations in place. And so this is something that's really important for executives uh, to have in mind. But at the same time, this is something that's really hard to quantify. And so something that can uh, very easily be ignored uh, when you're really considering the different factors uh, and then deciding whether to establish a direct, indirect or hybrid strategy uh, in the ASEAN markets.
1: You mentioned uh, in your study there's this four-step framework um, that... uh, provides um, common approaches and, and some common approaches implemented by some of the companies. Maybe, maybe talk a little bit about those as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh, the aim of the framework, the aim of the four-step frame, uh, four framework is to really suggest uh, actions to improve your channel design in the RCL markets. The first two steps uh, help you first identify your channel strategy gap. What that essentially means is uh, that it helps you figure out what, uh, what the difference is between your current channel strategy and your ideal channel strategy in each of the ASEAN markets.
1: How does it do that?
0: So how that works is when we break that down into the first two steps, I guess. And so if you go into the first step, uh, the first step is to figure out your ideal channel strategy. Okay. And that is... So that's uh, your
1: blue sky exercise, if you will. Yes, okay. absolutely. Okay.
0: So it is in a way done by uh, a diagnostic that we provided uh, in the research, uh, which... Uh, include some of the factors, some of the internal and external factors that we discussed earlier uh, to then identify uh, what your specific uh, ideal channel strategy would be in each of the RCR markets that you operate in. Step two would then be to figure out what your current uh, channel strategy in each of these markets by uh, looking at how much of your total revenue is generated through your direct channel model. And the channel strategy gap is basically a difference uh, between these two. Okay. The third step after that is then looking at your risk-adjusted market opportunity in each of these markets. Because when you're really trying to uh, determine what your actions need to be in each of these markets, you want to be able to prioritize them based on the actual amount of opportunity available in the market um, and not just based on how uh, ineffective your channel strategy is in these markets.
1: Right. You want to you make your investments and concentrate your resources where you're going to have the highest return. Absolutely. On a risk-adjusted yes. basis. Yes. Yep.
0: And that's exactly what step four does. What step four does is really it, it takes into account uh, the first three steps, the factors that we've looked at in the first three steps, and uh, allows companies to or allows executives to then categorize uh, the ASEAN markets into four different uh, categories and then suggest actions for each of those categories. These actions could be anything such as um, you know prioritizing change or to maintain status quo.
1: Got it, okay. and, um, and this is something by looking at the study uh, provides a bit of a guide that uh, executives can can deploy with their teams, or obviously it's something we can be helpful with them as well. Um, also, you talk about 11 common approaches, and I guess those are essentially best practices that you've uncovered in your research. Yes, can you, that's can, right. Can, we, we don't have time to do all 11, but could you pick, pick maybe one that we can dive into? Sure.
0: So what the common approaches essentially are is that it's us taking a framework a step further. Uh, it is us helping executives think about what are the ways that they can actually take the actions that have been suggested by the framework and implement the strategies on the ground. And so uh, we, we have, as you mentioned, 11 common approaches and common channel structures mentioned in uh, the report. Uh, but one of uh, the common approaches that seems to be really interesting for a number of our clients is the use of employer of record uh, service providers or EOR service providers. What these service providers essentially do is uh, that there are these third-party uh, contractors that you can partner with Uh, And they often have a regional presence across Southeast Asia in a way such that uh, you can establish on the ground teams in the individual ASEAN countries and have them be uh, hosted under the under the payroll of these third party service providers.
1: Right. It's kind of an outsourced business entity. Um, function for you. Absolutely, so very, very popular in this region. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. So uh, this is usually really interesting for clients which are just looking to establish uh, a local presence in each of the or se- selected uh, ASEAN countries.
1: In a cost-effective manner. Yeah. In a
0: cost-effective manner. Yeah. And so what really happens is they do not have to spend or invest the resources required to manage the administrative uh, tasks that are required uh, when you are hiring people on the ground. And uh, this is really important in Southeast Asia because uh, when it comes to labor regulations and, uh, you know, Statutory any, reporting, all of that, yeah. Exactly. Yep. Those can change very easily uh, and can, um, would really require some uh, investment and in resources or uh, in someone who can actually sit and manage and keep track of those changes.
1: Okay. Um, there's a lot of meat in this report, a lot of good content, best practices, the four-step framework, I think a, a very a very thoughtful way to look at it. Um, I, I, I want to be sensitive to time, but I had one last question, which is I, I, it's, it's hard to talk about a, a channel strategy or a go-to-market strategy today without uh, talking about digital and the digital channel and the, and the, the massive... Uh, shifts that are taking place around e-commerce and the disruption that, that occurs with that. And so a lot of what we've talked about today is about much more of a kind of traditional indirect channel. Um, But I'm curious what your thoughts are around how to incorporate uh, digital into all of this mix. Mm -hmm.
0: That's a very interesting question. So actually, uh, this was a major consideration when we were going through uh, the process of uh, thinking what to include in the report. And what we realized through our conversation with our clients is that digital channels do not uh, tend to be a priority for our clients in the region. And that is largely...
1: Just to be clear, in the Southeast Asia region? Yes, yes, absolutely. Because, because it's obviously a hu- hu- huge, huge, priority in India and in China. Oh, of yeah. course. Yeah. Yes.
0: Um, and the reason it's very different in Southeast Asia is because the overall digital infrastructure uh, and the digital landscape in Southeast Asia is not very well developed. And because individual markets tend to be very small, uh, companies don't really want to invest the money required to then build up a digital presence uh, in each of the individual markets. And this can also be seen in some of the uh, stats, if you look at them. Uh, If you look at the most recent statistics, about 3% of overall retail sales came through uh, online transactions in Southeast Asia, compared to over 10% in China. And so you can see that the overall digital market in Southeast Asia is relatively much smaller, and so is not a big priority for our clients.
1: Ashu, this has been very interesting. We could talk for hours about this, but I want to be sensitive to time. Is there anything else you would want to share about the study or um, any other final points you make before we wrap up?
0: Uh, well, just one thing that maybe I would like to mention is that when it comes to a framework, how our clients really uh, make use of that framework is through the Excel tool that we have embedded at the end of the report, uh, which they can then use, download that, and then input... Uh, whatever information based on their, uh, you know, personal company capabilities and characteristics, industry information to then come up with results that are very specific to their organization.
1: So there's a, a tool that basically allows you to start to run um, this the, the four step framework um, with your own data and industry specificity. Yes, that's, that's right. That's great. So that's super. Thank you. Um, We also, just along those lines, have numerous other resources to support uh, clients um, in improving commercial effectiveness uh, in in the Southeast Asia region. We've written a series of distribution management reports on uh, each individual country. Uh, We have our quarterly market review series on ASEAN, which is more focused on um, macro and key trends uh, for clients to be aware of, and specific deep dives on Indonesia, which is obviously a critically important market. And then obviously, if clients wanted to uh, engage in more specific project work, we have uh, a full team uh, specifically focused on channel design, channel uh, performance optimization, uh, and channel transition. So um, those are all uh, shameless plug, if you will, for some other things that we can do. Um, Ashu, thank you so much for the time, uh, for the interesting discussion, and uh, def- definitely look forward to hearing more from you on how clients use this research in the future and also uh, incorporate it into their broader ASEAN strategy.
0: Thanks for having me there, It was great talking to you today.
1: And on that note, I'd like to remind uh, Ducker Frontier clients that you can speak to Ashu or any of the other Ducker Frontier analysts by scheduling time via your client services director You can also access all of our research on channel design in ASEAN and all of our content using the Frontier View platform. This concludes our podcast. Until next time, we wish you great outperformance in your key markets, and thank you for listening.